The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Nate and Danny's Trade Deadline Day Extravaganza. They've recorded so much about these big trades. They did an episode focusing on the Kevin Durant to the Suns trade. They did an episode on the Lakers Timberwolves Jazz trade. They've done this episode about every single day that ha- every single deal that happened on deadline day. Nate and John Hollinger are recording an episode for tomorrow, looking back at at trade deadline day, going even further into the bigger picture analysis of all these moves. To get all that content, though, you've got to subscribe to Dunked On Prime. This is only a sneak preview. Yes, this is a, a, a packed episode with a lot of great analysis, but it is only the start of what Nate, Danny, and John are doing on Trade Deadline Day. But good news, you can still subscribe with our Mock Trade Deadline sale. We've got that still available at dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. You can subscribe with that Trade Deadline sale and not only get this great Trade Deadline coverage, but get all our great coverage through what looks like, especially after this deadline, is going to be a thrilling finish to the regular season and into the playoffs. Nate and Danny's uh, game coverage is second to none. That's a, a great feature of th- through the playoffs. So it's a great time to, to subscribe. Get the trade deadline coverage. Stick around for, for this stretch run. Dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. Dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. Use the mock trade deadline sale while it's still available. It won't be much longer. Deadline day is in the books. Uh, A crazy day, ultimately, in trade season, all but two teams made a move. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls. Both teams that probably could have used an upgrade in some degree, but didn't get that done. Plenty of other moves has happened. The buyout market is going to be fascinating now as well. And the question I wanted to ask you, Danny, we didn't see any first-rounders get moved today unless you want to count a pick swap that's probably going to be worth you know five to eight picks in the first round in the Eric Gordon deal. Which of these deals do you think is... And I guess, you know, some teams like the Clippers made multiple deals, so you can kind of fold those in. But what is the most significant transaction or series of transactions to you from today? It's harder to call in significant part because we already had recorded on some significant transactions that occurred in the overall window, not only the Kyrie, but Pirtle and Kevin Katie, obviously, and everything else. I, you know, so if we're going with the trades that occurred since the last time we recorded, I'm going to go with the Clippers overall series of moves in part because that incorporates Memphis, another team of significance that is involved in it. Um, And so I think it's that, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not stumping for it i don't think it's like a clear cut oh it's obviously them well let's just talk about who is on the clippers now that's probably the easiest way to do it and then we can backtrack to 
how we got there. The Clippers acquired Eric Gordon, a bunch of seconds for Luke Kennard, and then they also got Mason Plumley in a separate move. Maybe they rerouted. Or they actually, yeah, they only sent one second uh, for Mason Correct. Plumley. Their own in 28. So, uh, and sent out Reggie Jackson. So basically what they did, John Wall is back with the Rockets. Uh, with John Wall's, John Wall's salary is back on the Rockets. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, they're not going to ask him to report? <laughs> I don't think they're going to make him take a physical. And then, so basically they sent out Reggie Jackson and John Wall and Luke Kennard. They brought back Eric Gordon and Mason Plumley. They open up a roster spot and they pocket some seconds is what happened here. So, and they give up that, they give up the, the marginal picks on that, that swap now. So basically the difference, uh, yeah, between, that's the difference yeah, they, between their pick and the Milwaukee Bucks pick, whatever that ends up being. Yeah. Cause the Houston had that. So that, that was basically the price for Eric Gordon was, you know, moving up five, six spots uh, and also sending back some expiring money. Yeah. What is this Clippers team now with Eric Gordon? It's, intriguing that simultaneously the Clippers added oh and remember they also got Bones Highland oh yeah all right so they didn't open up a roster spot (laughs) they they took Highland into uh into the exception they had for Serge Ibaka Um, a lot of stuff happened today it did and so so the Clippers simultaneously did two different things that seem incongruous but might actually make sense together one is eric gordon fits well in some of their switching approaches that's something he of course did a ton with the houston rockets in their best iterations and gordon's not quite the same player as he was then and we always forget about the passage of time we often do for older players but and that does matter however they also added two players in Plumlee and Highland, who distinctly don't, who don't fit into that. And so maybe this leads Ty Lu to an approach where they have kind of like one switching group that presumably is something like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Eric Gordon, Norm Powell, and then Covington, Batum, you know, kind of whoever you're going with that. And then they have iterations that Bones is in alongside one of their traditional centers, which is now just Zubats and Plumlee instead of just Zubats. Gordon, to me, for this year, seems like by far the most significant piece. Uh, we did a scouting report on, on him, I think, on Tuesday. That's what day that was, right? Yes. <laughs> Whatever day that was. <laughs> And yeah, I think there are some iterations where Eric Gordon could be in their closing lineup. He's still, I think, we'll just see have to see how much he has left as a driver. Like he is still, I think, can be an effective driver. Like they did need someone who's going to put pressure on the rim. I think one of the more significant aspects of this trade is they tried this whole, hey, let's get some get a point guard in here, John Wall, pure point guard. They had Reggie Jackson. They moved both of their point guards, and they're really going to lean in now to Paul George and Kawhi as the primary creators, and then you've got. Terrence Mann and Gordon as your other backcourt options. They also moved on from Kennard, who has some pick and roll ability. But I, I understand that. I think Eric Gordon, for their purposes, is better than Luke Kennard. You know, Luke Kennard might have been okay in like a series against Denver or something like that. But it, obviously, if they're going to do some switching, Kennard uh, had a target. And so they now have even more ability to put lineups out there that are switchable and have more shooting with Gordon. Uh, now, does Gordon have enough left to guard opposing point guards? Yeah, maybe that's Terrence Mann. Uh, and Gordon's like deep shooting 
presuming he can get back to that, it provides an element that they didn't have. And hey, if they want to, Danny, they could either waive Gordon for next year and re-sign him if all goes well, or they could just guarantee his $20 million for next year. Also worth noting now that the guarantee if his team wins the championship for Eric Gordon is in play for the Clippers. So I think that aspect is good. You know, Kennard, I mean, they got a bunch of seconds for him. It's kind of funny that they hey, remember. Got a lot got- of seconds on the way in, got a lot of seconds on the way out. Yeah. And that's, and that's interesting too, because that was a contract that like we didn't love, but the league Kennard has been shooting incredibly well. I mean, he's been basically the league leader in three point shooting percentage the last couple of years. And Memphis will talk about this aspect of, of them getting Kennard as a, a bench guy, but you know, I think Kennard, if especially with some of the health problems that he'd had over the years, wasn't as much of a fit. So I, I'd probably rather have the seconds, although we'll talk about uh, what seconds really get you these days. Um, so then the other part of it you talked about is this Highland Plumley thing. The Highland thing, that just seems to me more like, hey, he can create some shots for you when Paul George and Kawhi are out of the lineup. I don't see him having a huge role in the playoffs just due to his defensive concerns. But I think this is basically just a buy low for the Clippers on a guy that they think could be good down the road and is on a very cheap contract. That's more how I see this than he's going to help them this year. This isn't it it is a buy remarkably low for the Clippers because what they gave up was their own second and 24 and their own second and 25. The Nuggets didn't even get seconds in the years that we could expect the Clippers to be worse, like they further out and everything else like that. Incidentally, Charlotte got one of those in the Mason Plumlee deal. But so so for Denver, this is basically, you know, this is basically just like, let's get out of the Bones Highland business as opposed to really getting premium. So for the Clippers, as long as Steve Ballmer is willing to pay the money, sure. I mean, Highland Highland can play and he does not have so much equity Something. that he can really, that it, it makes waves for the Clippers if he's not in the starting or closing lineups, even if that's something that Highland wants. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I completely support that, even though I'm not a believer right now in Highland as a playoff player, especially for where the Clippers want to go. They did not give up a ton to get it. No, when I first saw this, deal, I was like, did they uh, I mean, they didn't really have a first to give up that? I mean, it would have been a quite a waste to get him. And I was like, well, I've most often compared Bones Highland to Lou Williams with some of very similar uh, strengths or shall we say lack of strength and uh, weaknesses. But again, with this just kind of being more of a flyer, like, yeah, go ahead, grab him, see if you can develop him some. But and, and know, remember, Highland, he, this is yeah. his second of four years on a rookie scale deal. It's not like he's yeah. a pending, you know, like a Cam Reddish situation where he's a pending restricted free agent that you're just like, you're not sure you're going to give a qualifying offer to him. Yeah. And for uh, so. So, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get to the Denver portion of that in a second. Plumley to me, the point of acquiring another center is that you just you have room protection. Like, why would you want to be playing a center except that he gives you room protection in a way that another player doesn't in most matchups? There is one potential matchup, maybe even two if they, although I think they should try to space out DeAndre and if they play the Suns. But Plumlee is familiar with Nikola Jokic. I don't think Mason Plumlee is going to be able to guard Nikola Jokic. But I mean, maybe that's just the thought is like in that matchup, they needed one more guy that they can just throw out there who's not going to get totally steamrolled. Um, and the price at least was low. I'm just concerned that they're going to play Plumlee too much at the expense of the five out lineups rather than making him just like a pure specialist. Well, yes, that is a reasonable fear. And, and, and he's not that special at the specialist thing. So and there's also the idea of like, 
are they gonna like he's gonna try to post up he's gonna they're gonna like try to run offense through him like he's he can't just kind of like stay out of the way on offense like he's not built that way so i'm i'm very prepared to be extremely annoyed uh at him being him playing too much and the way that he plays when he's out there it would not be the first time the clippers overplaying a backup center gave them problems in a playoff series although mason plumley coming in as a defensive replacement at the end of a game against the nuggets would be absolutely hilarious so yeah let's let's go back to the denver thing here with with bones i mean this kind of seems like a fail to me honestly and the idea that you wouldn't like with this price okay he's clashing with michael malone whatever he's he's gonna complain he's so irrelevant just keep him around maybe he can help you maybe you you can rehabilitate it maybe you'd have more value in the summer what if jamal murray gets injured the rest of the year or you know even if he just you want to rest him more and you want to keep fighting for the number one seed or you want to get a home court advantage in the nba finals just like this is they've done a couple of these moves here where it's just like if you could just fucking get along they don't they don't bit. owe they don't owe bones highland the right to play to be somewhere that he's happier they drafted him yeah. no. uh, now he, he may not be happy with the clippers honestly i don't know how he's gonna have some huge role with them either but still so i i mean maybe there was a thought like hey he's just killing us but for a guy who came into this season with this much promise in theory it's just like you do you didn't have to trade him like this deal sucks you could have just held on to him there's no like there's just a much greater chance that bones highland could have somehow been rehabilitated maybe traded for more later i mean i don't think they were going to get a first for him like i i I talked pretty extensively about that like you're not going to trade a first for a guy who's going to be a starter like the the or or for a guy who's not going to be a starter and i don't think he is going to be a starter but it just he's like he could help them in theory like he had he had like what like a 20 point quarter in the playoffs last year in game four against the warriors like even that is worth more than these two shitty seconds that they got which i mean maybe those seconds will be used to dump guys uh for tax money (laughs) maybe that's what it'll end up being but well and they also gave they also gave up seconds in another deal that we'll talk about later Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's the Clippers standpoint of this. Charlotte. Oh, I want to go to Memphis next. But well, I just just because okay. Charlotte, you can close the book on them pretty easily. So let's just finish with that. Sure. They 2028 Clippers for Plumlee. I think that's fine. They just need to play Kai Jones. They're going to be tanking. They need to play Mark Williams. They need to play Nick Richards. So just giving up Plumlee for whatever you could get is just what they should have done. This is what they could get. I mean, Plumlee's been a good vet there. Maybe they wanted to send him somewhere where he could win. I don't know what other offers there were. It's not surprising to me that there weren't better offers than this. Maybe some people were hoping for two seconds for Plumlee, but they're just, you know, who needed Mason Plumlee in the end? I guess not that many teams. So, I mean, this is fine for Charlotte. I think the fact that they and they moved Jalen McDaniels as well, which we'll talk about later, but I just to not be able to move more guys than that maybe is a little bit disappointing for them. But hey, they at least they moved two guys. They showed at least somewhat of a pulse at the double. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot 
step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant, featured in Giant Magazine, Issue 2. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Yeah, let's talk about the Memphis component here. Memphis in this functionally trades Danny Green and looks like four second round picks for Luke Kennard. And Kennard, as you mentioned, more popular in certain NBA ranks than in, I think, either of ours individually or collectively. And he, you know, capable shooter. I think he can do more with the ball in his hands than the Clippers asked him to do. But limited defensively and basically a one position defender if he really defends any position and so for Memphis it's not only like they they it's the combination of giving up a player who has like a more clear role I mean I, I we don't know exactly how much Danny Green has at this juncture but Kennard like I, I don't see him as a playoff player for them specifically when a John Morant is not a great defender at his position and they already have Desmond Bain and everything else so it's just like I I don't think they they didn't give up too much to make it happen because the salaries are close and Kennard does have a fully guaranteed wage next year and those seconds aren't phenomenal. But why him? Yeah, I guess having him under contract for two more years is an appeal. He is a really good shooter. They need more shooting. But yeah, you're hoping Desmond Bain is playing 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. I think certainly during the regular season, he's going to help them quite a bit, particularly because Bain has been dealing with these knee issues. Yeah, and- they've, they've, they've missed having that guy a lot, the, the, a, a functional second shooting guard. Yeah, and maybe you feel like they're not going to do a lot of switching anyway. You've got Jaron Jackson behind all these guys. Maybe you can make it work on defense it just 
and maybe their judgment was just that Danny Green wasn't going to be able to help them that much. And maybe this is also just a, about the fact that Luke Kennard is under contract for a little bit longer. And that's something that they value. But I certainly, if you wanted to look at like the top needs for the Memphis Grizzlies, I wouldn't have said going after Luke Kennard would have been like near the top of my list because they already have a guy who's awesome at that position. Memphis also, like I, I think they're going to be fine overall for next year, but this does make their books more complicated in terms of if Dylan Brooks gets a significant new contract, it's presumably not going to be extension. Also, the, the Grizzlies took on some money in this, so they can't do a slight renegotiation and then extension off of that with Dylan Brooks. I didn't expect that to happen in the first place. I thought it was a good idea by John Hollinger, but I, I didn't expect it to happen. Happened. I'm not sure that he did either. But now, like, so for if Dylan Brooks gets, you know, much more than 20 million, the math on this gets tough. They have guys they could offload. Yeah, I don't think the, he's going to. No, I don't either. But and so since this was the only move that Memphis made, this feels like another bet on their draft evaluation on their development, because whether you thought of that as a significant need or not, you know, this they're going to have to be relying on Brooks, on Zaire Williams, on conceptually either maybe LaRavia or Roddy or Conchar, depending on who kind of steps up and and they didn't get anyone else to try to fill that gap either now or in the future yeah maybe this is they view luke Kennard as having some point guard skills and he and bain could play together or, or and he's got at least a little more size than tyus jones and maybe tyus jones is someone that they would move in the offseason or something so but this is just yet another player that has a weakness that's not going to be great in the playoffs. You, you criticized their draft for that. I agree. We talked again about how, uh, I mean, just the Grizz overall not like going for it in any way and just not bolstering their rotation with reliable players. Like they have three guys to me that are, you know, Jod, Jaron, and Bain that I'm 100% confident in a playoff series and everyone else has enough flaws where you're like, now maybe you can just cobble it together like they have a lot of guys with different strengths and weaknesses, but they're just, I, they need one more like rock solid guy to me. And they have the resources to do it. Like the, it's yeah. not a circumstance where they're, oh, they've traded out 10 picks in the future and do anything other that they have this capacity and they're, it's not like they're going to be able to use cap space at any point in the near term. It's just, they believe in their players and that's part of why they've extended so many of them. Yeah, and even just thinking about some of the matchups uh, that they may have in the West, I just would have liked more players who could, you know, if they play the Suns, who's going to guard Devin Booker and Kevin Durant or the Warriors or, you know, they don't really have a great guy to guard Nikola Jokic right now. Adams usually hasn't been very good against us. So they're just kind of, I mean, maybe they're just moving more towards this idea of just outscoring teams. But yeah, so I just, it, it, it's more, this isn't even necessarily the Canard move. It's more just the lack of a larger move, which uh, again, that'll be one of our big themes that we talk about after this. Well, All right, so we're good. Are we well, no, I want to follow up a little bit with Houston. So for Houston, yes, okay. they, they got that upgrade in first round pick to for Eric Gordon, and they took on no money beyond this season. It's certainly not what they could have gotten a couple of years ago. And I think that the difference between, you know, let's call it the 27th pick and the 22nd pick is not as significant. Like, it helps, but, you know, the, I, I don't know that they could have done much better. Like, I don't think they were going to get a pure first out of this deal. And I don't know that they could have trade changed a second into a first like they did previously. So it's 
both understandable and also a little bit underwhelming from their perspective, though I'm thrilled for Eric Gordon that he gets to be on a relevant team again. Yeah, and I think this is about as good as they were going to do for Gordon, and they were able to take back in the end just pretty much expiring money which you didn't think that like they have these cast cap space aspirations if they wanted to give james harden a full max contract they couldn't afford to take on much for next year and so i mean to get to move up you know eight spots in the draft or whatever like that's five spots in the draft for eric gordon and that's solid creativity i think both by the clippers and houston we've seen a similar transaction take place for victor oladipo and pj tucker where they use swaps to get some equity without it having to be this is a first rounder specifically because their guys just weren't worth that in the end and finally they eric gordon's been a decent organizational soldier for them and so i think uh moving him somewhere that he wanted to be back to the team that drafted him the clip way back in 2008 is doing him a solid so yeah i I mean just getting the value for him that you could and this is another one where hey if you really wanted to get him back in the offseason you could re-sign him if you bring back harden and that's like part of the deal or whatever so uh, this is i I mean i kind of like moving up five slots in the first more than uh, apparently that's worth more than some of these seconds at least to me at at this (laughs) point that, that have been thrown around like candy um then there's this salary dump deal with between houston and atlanta what are the terms of that the houston rockets traded garrison matthews and bruno fernando for justin holiday frank kaminsky and then two second round picks they're from atlanta but they're oklahoma cities in 24 and 25 and so so from houston's perspective they get a couple of seconds to offload players who may not have been in their plans i'm a little bit surprised about the garrison matthews component of it because yes it's true that bruno fernando and garrison matthews have no guaranteed money beyond this year but garrison matthews you know it's basically flat two million that eventually guarantees for each season like he can help out either of these teams and houston's going to have a roster crunch issue but you have that and then fernando i mean he's started at times for them but this is obviously shangun's center position for at least the present depending on what happens in the draft and so for atlanta it's saving some money and for houston it's taking on some money for two second round picks of in of, i guess some providence yeah bruno fernando so much uh r.i.p him impressing in camp and starting the season as the start he actually goes back to the team that drafted him in the early 30s I think he was so many of those over the trade deadline season yeah and i like this for atlanta now they had to give up a lot of seconds in the this deal uh, and their other deals um and let's, let's start first actually with the tax savings for atlanta uh this is after they got sadiq bay they were over the tax they had to get under so they save about three and a half million bucks to get below the tax they should be fine Woj described it as a quote cost cutting move for the hawks which is when he adds that kind of analysis that usually means he doesn't particularly care for the gm they fired uh, a guy who gave him a lot Tra- travis Schlenk. that's uh, the best i could come up with as to why he would say that when he never adds that kind of analysis most of the time but i think this actually is more than a cost-cutting move because i think garrison matthews can help it like they have missed just a, a really good shooter like is he gonna play over aj griffin maybe not but they could even play griffin at the threesome they got sadiq bay too so they i think they i don't know if matthews is gonna play but he at least like 
plays hard and like he'll stick his nose in there take some charges they need that element so like i, I think he can help them more than the guys they sent out in this deal uh holiday and kaminsky uh but it's obviously it's mostly about the tax savings yeah, giving it, up two seconds for garrison matthews is not it, it's mostly about the money but landry fields can evaluate at the kind of the beginning of each offseason because they're early guarantee dates for garrison matthews whether he wants to keep him around at two million dollars i think the answer to that could i should be yes at least what i'm knowing what i know now for 23 24 we'll see for 24 25 they don't have to make that decision right now and you know capable rotation player particularly if somebody gets injured so and an important emphasis here because we'll see other moves of this bent there's you you not only save the money that you would have paid in the lecture tax when you get out of the tax but you also get the payment from the teams that pay the tax so the difference for owners is even more significant and of course that then trickles down to general managers and everything else and then for the Rockets, they, you know, they got a couple of seconds for their trouble. I am excited to see Frank Kaminsky get signed again by James Jones and the Suns once he clears waivers because it's a tale as old as time. And yeah, so I, I, I think it's a reasonable transaction. And Garrison Matthews, as much as I think he can be a capable player, I don't think his value to the Rockets was so high that it would like prevent a deal like this, even if it was salary first. So now we get to the other Hawks move and they acquired Sadiq Bay without giving up a first round pick. Now, we don't know exactly what these seconds are that went out uh, and where they all came from necessarily either. Maybe some of it came from Detroit in the Wiseman Bay swap. I mean, I don't, this would have had the Hawks sending out seven second round picks. Did they even have seven second round picks to send out, including those uh, two OKC ones uh, from the Dennis Schroeder deal? <laughs> yes, they, they how, do. How by they the way, those? they do have that many seconds to send out. Yeah, but but I think, you know, getting Sadiq Bay, like Sadiq Bay is a fascinating player in a lot of ways. Like he was such a darling his rookie year. Then he struggled to shoot at the start of last year. Came on, seemed like he was back on track. But now with Boyan Bogdanovich and the Troy Weaver big man fetish had been coming off the bench in Detroit. It hadn't shot it amazing well again is starting to maybe settle in more like a 30 mid 30s three-point shooter rather than 40 percent like we saw early on um and, and then what you think of his defense is another question i think he's you know, he is a little slow afoot a little heavy light he's strong he's never really had to defend on a real team he's going to be asked to do a lot more of that now with the hawks and so yeah getting him for uh, the hawks to in theory upgrade some of their shooting you can go smaller now not have to play john collins still on the team uh, if you don't want to and have some more defensive versatility deandre hunter is injured a lot you could even play bay at the two potentially when trey or dejante sits just upgrading that backup four slot backup three slot where they just were terrible at some of the worst guys in the league there with the likes of justin holiday and jalen johnson who i, I mean i i'm fine with them giving jalen johnson a shot at that job he's not ready to help them win so bay is clearly an upgrade he's still on a rookie contract they'll get a chance to look at him although and we'll see there have been a lot of three and d guys over the years who kind of flashed early you know one guy who comes to mind be like justin anderson for example and i think he dealt with some other issues including injury over the course of his career but sometimes these guys they just hit more shots than they ultimately are going to settle in on and they become kind of a hot name early and it's all what a great draft pick this was like this guy we drafted this guy he was a three four-year college player he's helping us immediately 
really amazing pick and then they just kind of eh, maybe they weren't as good defensively maybe they weren't as good a shooter as you thought and all of a sudden they kind of just peter out and they end up being a bench guy in the end so we'll see what ends up happening uh, with bay in that regard i like sadiq bay more than most of them but it is a completely fair note that this there is a a, a history of of these players and we'll just have to kind of see where bay fits into all that but from atlanta's perspective of this weird deal which we still don't know the exact structure and you brought up the seconds that we don't know we also don't know the exact structure because it could be it could be functioning as a uh, i believe a series of two team deals a three team deal or a four team deal um but from atlanta i mean we don't know the seconds they gave up but sadiq bay is reasonably priced for a couple years he steps into the rotation he could even potentially be in some closing fives for them depending on what happens with a few other things over the next year or two also he'll be extension eligible and restricted theoretically absent an extension in 24 25 which might actually be a a good time because that's not going to be the year that everyone's going to have cap space so maybe it's a little bit tighter around then or you could trade him to somebody else so like I like this as a piece of business for the Hawks, depending on whether the seconds they give up are super juicy. But my instinct is that they're not. And that allows quickly finishing up here on the Hawks. The other component of this, again, is their finances for next year. So if Bogdan Bogdanovich opts into his 18 million, they are 9 million over the tax, $15 million tax payment. And that doesn't seem like something this team would be interested in. And they don't have an obvious place to cut money unless they were to move John Collins or Clint When you Capella say, they're, take back when you say they're 9 million over the tax, are you counting some of the non-guarantees as being guaranteed? Yeah, but then they're also, they would have to fill those roster spots too. So it's, it's not really much savings to move on from like a Fernando or a Matthews or a bit crazy like they'll get someone else in at relatively similar costs to those guys but they still and now I think another reason that they did this is they didn't move Bogdan this year supposedly they got calls on him and I don't think it didn't seem like any of those talks really got serious but Bay maybe is insurance in case they do lose Bogdan next year uh, if he opts out of that 18 million player option I, it seems like it seems like he probably would but you never know uh, uh, how his injury situation is looking and, and all that stuff so and what his market would be I don't know if the team would be like trying to pay him 18 million for next year to come in as a starter that's uh we'll see so uh, that's another component of this is they needed another guy on the wing but you know Bogdan is one of their best shooters him coming back and actually starting to play okay has been part of why they've been a little bit better lately so that 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 component is big like there's still more financial moves they're gonna one of probably Collins Capella or Bogdan is gonna not be on this team next year and I guess this is to finish up on Atlanta before we move to the rest of this crazy four-team deal John Collins is still on this team (laughs) yeah he is and it seemed likely to me that that was going to happen with the the idea. I mean, we got the reporting from Shams that Landry Fields saw him as a positive player. And so that, you know, that generally if, if there weren't trades before with what sounds like a front office that was less enthusiastic about Collins, then, you know, it was that's the way it was going to go. And Collins is, you know, it's a reasonable contract. I, I We talked about him in the scouting stuff before, but he'll be. He'll be on the trade on the trade block or at least in the rumor mill in June, July. And then if he's still on the Hawks in January, February of next year. Yeah, the the Hawks are keeping John Collins tweet at 1157 a.m. Pacific time is a yearly tradition unlike any other. I mean, that and the Damian Lillard is staying in Portland is committed to Portland and Miles <laughs> Turner is still on the Pacers. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're, they're like, well, they, that actually that actually got resolved before the deadline. Well, it, te- it it theoretically could have gone differently, but yeah, it's it, it is it is pretty amazing. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And now Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. And that, I think, the place to go there is the Golden State Warriors. And in part, just to tell people the story, I think the the sequence of events here is so fascinating because mm-hmm. how this got reported is originally James Wiseman for Sadiq Bay. Then Sadiq Bay goes to Atlanta. So then it's James Wiseman for savings and picks. And then eventually it becomes, James uh, from the Warriors' perspective, James Wiseman for Gary Payton II. And um, that is really striking when you think about the 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 egos involved the admission that this is for for ownership for the front office that they had you know they had the second pick in the draft and they took a player who now they gave up they basically they they gave up for if you think about it in the end game iteration of this a player that they could have just signed on their own to this exact contract and chose not to over the summer so basically the warriors are admitting to two failures in this admitting to failures does not make it a bad move in and of itself it probably makes the other ones bad moves if you want to think about it that way but it is 
stunning when you think about the like this the scale that the warrior stuff the two timelines and everything else and that around this period they also you know won a championship yeah now you might say hey like they fucked this up they should have just matched that deal from portland and kept him but let's keep in mind they are actually saving money in this deal now that the deal keeping Peyton and now they probably don't sign DiVincenzo if they keep Peyton by the way and so that's another way to look at this too they now have both DiVincenzo who's played well for them and Peyton uh so that that's kind of part of the calculation here too but they didn't ultimately add just another eight and a half million dollars on top of James Wiseman they subtracted James Wiseman's salary if they had just re-signed GP they wouldn't have DiVincenzo and they would have still needed to dump salary I mean that the extra amount of money they would have had on the books it would have been like probably another five million or so with no DiVincenzo but also Peyton it was four and a half million so there is that component of it uh and also for like it was worth it for them to get a look at what James Wiseman could do over this period of time I don't think there was I don't know that they even could have gotten like a first for him if they had moved him this summer necessarily I think it was worth trying to keep him around I mean it's crazy that he's gone after this few number of games and thinking about what they could have had for him instead but given the finance I mean that's that's the the biggest thing that was so interesting to me though is just I almost would have understood this move more when they were just getting the five seconds directly for James well, Wiseman and so that, that's yeah, funny you say that because I thought the best iteration of this for the Warriors was Sadiq Bey because Bay is he's cost controlled for two years he could he's not a perfect fit in the rotation could help them and you know those the years that are most expensive for Golden State before like Clay Thompson's deal expires Bay's making you know like low first round pick salaries and what we don't know what the seconds are going either the ones going from the Hawks to the Warriors or the ones going from the Warriors to the Blazers they could be the same seconds they could be different seconds we don't we don't know yet um and but generally speaking like I think Sadiq Bay could have helped them could have been a part of the rotation yeah that's a fascinating question it doesn't seem like there's anything they could have moved the five seconds for that would have been better than Peyton I think Peyton helps them more than Bay would have Bay for all the reasons I just talked about with Atlanta is a question mark he's just not proven in that crucible and like would Bay have been in their closing lineup I don't know Peyton might actually be in their closing lineup he's proven they're like they just they have to get better defensively you know I don't know that Bay would have made them much better defensively like he's just kind of a guy there like you're hoping that he's more just not going to get attacked than that he's gonna like really help you he's just more of like a cog in the machine sure. you know, you, well I, i'm also yeah. thinking player plus savings and all that type of stuff if, if joe lakeup doesn't care about the money then i mean we, we know how good of a fake gary payton the second is and yeah I, well, well seen, i don't think the money would have worked with just wiseman and bay right i think they would have then I mean, they would have also ended up with kevin knox i mean you said that's part of this first. too like they got portland to take kevin knox um yeah. or or indiana they took on a bunch of different guys <laughs> So it, it, but it basically, it's like getting Gary Payton the second back now. This is a message like, yeah, okay, they saved some money, but it wasn't crazy substantial. The savings for, particularly when you consider that Gary Payton the second is actually under contract longer than James Wiseman. And who knows how much longer Gary Payton the second is going to have left given his injury issues, his age now being 30, declining athletes. So there's, there's the reasons they didn't want to sign into that contract to begin with, right? If it had only been two years, maybe they would have just done it. Uh, so you know, that that's an issue. I think maybe they feel after next year, 
Clay will probably be on a new contract or gone, and you know, Draymond, that situation will be worked out, and maybe they'll have traded Pool by that point as well. That's another another interesting aspect of this, Danny. Uh, now they're probably going to lose to Vincenzo in the offseason, you would think, but that perhaps this is a little bit of insurance too on the guard line if they move on from Jordan Pool in the offseason as a way to make uh, all the salary work. In any event, like this is a message to the veterans that hey, we're really going for it this year. Like we traded the guy who was the foremost face of the two timeline approach for a guy who is probably like he's going to help us most this year going forward and his contract situation is not really any better than Wiseman's is although Wiseman would have made 12 last year and and Peyton's going to make nine or whatever so they save some but it's still it's not like some massive savings going forward here so yeah, not, not like the 131 million it would have been if not that would have been if they got out of wiseman entirely that was john hollinger had a piece on that for the athletic yeah. i believe that was now i'm i'm always a little bit low talking about those type of savings agree specificity for next year i mean we could have a new cba the well, bands and, and, could be totally different like they could have moved wiseman in the off season you know so but certainly the savings for this year would have been massive yeah the savings for this year would be massive and also the other thing for those sorts of those sorts of transactions is you're adding financial flexibility to make another move that's going to cost you a lot of money like they the, you know yeah. theoretically do that you, then you maybe use the taxpayer mid-level or something like that and you add a yeah. player in that but you're not saving that money in the same right. sense and, and draymond has a player option he could just leave in the offseason you know so I, I, that was a like uh, i mean that is theoretically if everything stayed the same what the savings would have been but i didn't look at it as like oh this is for sure they're saving this but they open up the, the ability to do some different stuff in theory if they had not taken anything back but uh the, they have great paint in the second now so this golden state rotation is really interesting gary payton the second is really almost a four for them offensively but a one defensively and which so, they need yeah yeah I, I mean he was a guy who's like kind of in their closing lineup like he he might be and he's just a different level of defender than DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo is solid, like pressuring the ball, but he does he's not like bothering John Morant. Like Gary Payton the second, John Morant is like he's looking for a screen when Gary Payton is on him. And when Dante DiVincenzo is on him, he's like, Yeah, I can take this guy. So like if Gary Payton the second is going to give them what he gave them last year, good move. I'm just not sure of that, particularly he's had the surgery. He says he's still suffering from some pain. I'm sure they've really locked in on the scouting of what he has been in Portland and feel like he can still help them and you would think there's someone else who could have helped them for five second round picks as well had they wanted to go that route there's also the note i'm sure some warriors partisans are lamenting that they didn't have peyton for this whole year you know who else didn't have peyton for this whole year so far the portland trailblazers because of all the time (laughs) missed. so and that injury it's not like you can argue oh that injury wouldn't have happened if he was on the warriors like that's just the way these things go i mean i think he he had been dealing with this injury for years right uh, beforehand so as we look at the golden state rotation now like they just needed that defensive edge that they just didn't have this year that he provides the turnovers like they played at an incredible level defensively in the playoffs last year and he was a a big part of that uh so and they're also like they haven't been getting as much from andrew wiggins maybe there's a concern there so they just have a pretty goddamn deep now adding another guy like him jonathan kaminga might be playable but they're not relying on him to be like their john morant stopper in the playoffs 
at this point in time so they just have a lot of options and now the one guy who's probably they don't have to play anthony lamb anymore now they may even just get out of having to convert him at this point in fact they are still on 14 players so maybe they convert lamb you know the last like two days of the season or something like that like that's probably what happens with this remaining roster slot and so they could play gary payton the second in place of divincenzo if they need more shooting they can go with divincenzo if they need even more scoring than that they can go with jordan Poole. like this again is going to minimize jordan Poole's role even more i think particularly because and they went back to their starting group from last year they tried pool in the starting lineup it didn't work this is maybe an acknowledgement that like hey we just we got to get better defensively we got to get back to defending like the warriors and we'll just let steph and clay kind of handle the offense uh and jordan you can play 18 minutes a game like you did last playoffs in the end this so does I, I, this like, also I, I there are lots of different ways this could go but if the worry i've had this idea i regret that i never published it for the athletic i actually have the piece written from november that it may end up being that jordan Poole is the guy who gets traded for them to save money not draymond like draymond green we'll see what kind of contract draymond green gets this to me bolsters that argument even though the warriors will need shot creation and pool can be of course better than he has been so far this year so let's we'll finish up here with the detroit aspect of this trade and then we can go to portland and fold in the the thigh bowl charlotte uh philly three-way so sadiq bay for james wiseman what do you think as a value proposition i can kind of i can kind of see it wiseman even though i don't see that like high level elite upside we, we talked about some of the shakiness with sadiq bay however there are two reasons why this is a both unsurprising but also just like kind of frustrating trade from the perspective of the pistons one is there is a massive salary difference and even though cap space all that kind of stuff is less valuable for a place that hasn't really been a free agent destination in modern vintage you know james wiseman makes 9.6 this year 12.1 next year that 12.1 matters a lot more and then he's restricted and we'll see what happens there but also because troy weaver has committed so much to center only players already or let's call them non-defensively versatile bigs because if you want to throw in yeah, but well Marvin they've Bagley. got the market cornered on left-handed centers who really disappointed as former number two overall picks yeah let's let's see if they can expand that and then they'll sign Hashim Thabit or a few others in the in the future Hashim I don't think I believe, was Hashim left-handed either. no he's right-handed I was thinking of the disappointing Spigs who went number two yeah. but is Derek yeah, Williams available uh yeah and and so for them uh Darko Milicic Darko Milicic Oh, left-handed uh, disappointing number two uh, overall center so from detroit's perspective i mean if if you think wiseman can be that guy by all means but they already have jalen duran and duran's been intriguing i don't think i've seen so much from him to say you can't put another player at the position like if, if wiseman ends up being better than duran great like that's a good problem to have or it's a really bad problem to have but depending on which way that happens and then they also have bagley which is this weird thing where he's still going to get 12 Point five mil for another two years after this year he can't MB really thir- mb three years 37 million baby oh jesus and so you have all those guys together i don't i don't really factor new Orleans noel into this because he's a functionally a pending expiring contract because yeah, of that he, team he's option. gonna get bought out when he should think. and so so you have that from so, so from detroit's perspective it's like if you want to trade a forward that you're not sure is is a like starting caliber player for you who's been kind of weirdly bouncing around the rotation even though you could use somebody who could play kind of in that skill set you're allowed to make that trade and if you want to roll the dice on a talented player that hasn't really gotten his shot due to injuries and due to the team that he plays on you could do it but 
the Pistons being the Wiseman destination, it's it's both unsurprising and disappointing because there's so much overlap and I don't think they have the right talent to make his game sing. Like they don't have that pick and roll operator unless it ends up being Alec Burks for the rest of this year. Well, presumably they did this in part to keep him around for next year and just the chance for him to develop in a low pressure environment is nice. Now, you mentioned it's not exactly a great environment for his skill set when he's, I mean, I guess they're going to just be playing Isaiah Stewart exclusively at the four at this point. So they certainly have a log gem there. I do think, though, for where the Pistons are, that James Wiseman makes more sense than Sadiq Bay. Now, Wiseman makes a lot more money, too. The Pistons reduce their cap space for next year by $7 million or so, I think. Uh, but that's that's not the end of the world. If they really needed to make more, they could move on from Alec Burks in the offseason. Uh, they still have $27.8 million e- even now. Uh, not for Jeremy Grant, possibly? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, James, James Edwards did report that to look out for that. We'll see. In any event, though, I've seen more from Wiseman recently. The rare times he's been on the floor, I think he's really improved his touch uh, around the basket. And I think he's had flashes of like semi-competence defensively. But then, of course, he'll get hurt and come back. And it's like he's starting from square 1.1. And it's just he can't get into a rhythm. And hopefully he'll have a chance to do that. He is healthy now, apparently. Uh, And so, like, I actually, I think he still has more upside than Duran. You know, I think Duran is a higher floor player at this point due to like his switchability. I mean, they both have a lot of athleticism. But I didn't think Duran, like you said, has shown so much that it's there's no reason to bring another guy in and both those guys i think could just learn to play really hard in fewer minutes and let's see like and i think you know maybe we'll see some post-ups for james wiseman we'll see if he can be effective that way as well they'll probably encourage him to shoot some threes we'll see so we'll just get a chance to kind of see him explore the studio space and uh like I, I think for where the Pistons are, that I think that he makes more sense than Sadiq Bay. This is something we kind of talked about. It's just like they're not good right now. Like, what do you need a guy with Bay's theoretical skill set for in the future? Like, and he's just kind of a guy who can plug into a rotation. Maybe he's a like a second perimeter defender and second best shooter on the wing. Like they're just they're so far away. Having that guy just doesn't really change your ceiling. And frankly, maybe they if they weren't going to start Bay the rest of the season, like his star is kind of fall maybe they sold high on bay at this point if he does take that career path that i think is maybe a possibility for him in Atlanta. at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We should talk, though, about the Pistons not moving uh, Boyan and Alec Burks, though. This does 
tie in. I mean, the conversation that Bogdanovich had with Mike Scotto talked about with like his kind of the inclinations he had gotten from the Pistons front office was that their intention was to keep this group together potentially for the start of next season. It's only they're only committed to it for the rest of this season. But Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, both still around. Both of them can be traded in the 23 offseason because Bogdanovich, they agreed to that extension. So he's 20 million for next year and then 19, which is only partially guaranteed for the year after. And then Burks has that $10.5 million team option, which as of now, I think would be very likely to be picked up. And hopefully there's not an injury that would happen there. And so from Detroit's perspective, the key delineation here is could they have could could they will they get more for those players in June July than they were offered now and we don't know exactly what they were offered now I'm I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit underwhelming considering we didn't see a single true first go in the like you're, the last you're talking about what what actually was offered for these yes. guys yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and to me, I like I thought the Pistons stance was reasonable that I wouldn't have taken uh, less than an unprotected or very lightly protected first with some upside for Boyan. And maybe they didn't have that. I think that was a mistake for particularly the Milwaukee Bucks. I went after Boyan as the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's why I feel that way. You know, I'm not sure that the Lakers at this point should have also thrown in their 29 unprotected first to get Boyan. Like they kind of have enough shooting now. Uh, so I, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that really it would have made sense for them to go after him. It didn't make sense for the Nets anymore. Didn't make sense for the Mavs anymore. Well, he might have, but they for, just, the, yeah. the, I mean, it seems like that would have been too much to go sure. after a guy at his age when they already got a, a 30 year old in Kyrie. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what other contender the Suns just didn't have the assets to get him anymore. That was a, there was a thought maybe they could try to go after him. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really other than the Bucks. There really, to me, wasn't the obvious team uh, for Boyan. So maybe that's why he's still there. But there's also reporting that uh, I mean, when it's very easy for them to say, "Hey, we're." We want to keep him when you weren't getting offers that would have made you want to move him to begin with. Now, it's much better to just say, well, we're going to keep him. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, we don't, we never wanted to trade him to begin with. Uh, and, and same thing for Burks. I think there's is, is, the way he's played this year and the fact that they're hoping to take a step forward next year, they're going to have another pick that's quite high. Uh, and so I think they're just like, hey, Boyan Burks, like, they can help us. We get Cade back, we get another high draft pick, and then we'll, uh, we'll see where we're at uh, next year. And obviously, it's been a very disappointing season for them. But uh, and I would also say, like, don't don't overplay Burks and Boyan too much. Like, let's not get them hurt. Let's just uh, have them be fresh going into next year. And I guess, you know, we'll see in the in the offseason. By the way, I'm seeing some murmurs now that that Troy Weaver intent or I guess this would be Dwayne Casey to intend to start James Wiseman. So we may actually get this sample. Okay, let's turn to the Portland aspect of the Gary Payton, the second for five as of yet still unknown seconds. The Blazers not only get out of a deal that, you know, hasn't worked out super well for them, partially due to Peyton's absence, but also just the team not being quite where they wanted to be. They get out of it free and clear. They they didn't have to pay Peyton those last couple of years, which were always the question marks for me with that contract. It was, you know, the player option in 24-25 and then, you know, you know, roughly eight, nine million for a player who has a very specific role on a really good team. And incidentally, the Blazers could have used somebody like that. And to not only to, to get five second round picks out of it, we don't know how good those picks are, but to get picks out of it. So from their perspective, as as a piece of business, it's completely respectable. I 
I thought it was a little bit a little bit of kind of like an overpay and a weird fit at, at, at first just because of the long term commitments and the Blazers overall books. And so for them to walk away from it, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And getting Thibel as a kind of a carbon copy of Peyton, they might even be able to get him back on a better contract going forward. He's got a little more size. Yeah, I like Peyton better as an offensive player, but uh, Thibel is younger and they get the tax savings that continue with the continuation of the heart deal. And so, yeah, just to, for where the Blazers are to just get more wild cards in the form of Reddish and Thibel at the wing position. Yeah, I don't think any of them are likely to work out at a high level, but I don't know that they got that much worse from going from Peyton and Hart to Reddish and Thibel. Both of those guys are cost controlled. They can kind of even like they could bring both of them back. They could bring one of them back. You know, they could just see who's willing to sign for cheaper. However, it works. Like, so I don't think they took that big of a step back. They won financially. They got the a first and five seconds. I mean, this is all really good business to me for Portland and still an acknowledgement of like, okay, this is being realistic about where they are and picking up some assets without getting so much worse. And it doesn't really matter that they got a little bit worse anyway. So also, uh, I think all good business for them. The theory of Thibault, just like with Peyton, there is a part of it that fits in with the Blazers because even though they have two lead guards, neither one of them is any good as a point of attack defender. So Thibault can certainly be that menace. His offensive game leaves a lot to be desired, and you're presumably pairing him with a center who can't shoot, and that would be Nurkic when Nurkic is available, you know, Drew Eubanks and whoever whoever else there. But, you know, that they don't have a big commitment to Thibault. You can see where his restricted market goes. I am currently thinking that some of these restricted guys are going to get really squeezed by this market. I'm working on my team-by-team projections for the 23 offseason. Those will probably be be out of the athletic either on Friday or over the weekend. And so I think there I think a lot of those guys are going to get squeezed and so having a, a little bit of a diversified portfolio for Portland makes sense. And this is kind of a it's it's sort of an appropriate deadline for them where they the Blazers simultaneously like saved money and slightly downgraded, but also still didn't walk away from like their overall place in it. And while there theoretically could be benefits to doing so, as there have been for the last few years, they you know, as long as long as they're keeping Damian Lillard, they're never going to be bad enough to truly bottom out. And they have some young guys that they can evaluate now. Let's talk about Jay Crowder finally ending up with the Milwaukee Bucks. The price in the end was five seconds, but a lot of that was just the Bucks moving on from Jordan Wara, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka to Indiana. I think the three seconds, three of the seconds are going to Indiana there. We know all of the seconds. I don't think we know which ones are going to the Pacers and which ones are going to the Nets, but it's three future Bucks seconds, 24, 28, and 29. Uh, then the 2023 second, the most favorable of the two they own, which are their own and the less favorable of Cleveland and Golden State. And then the 2025 Pacers second going, uh, maybe that's going back to the Pacers, but that I think it is. Got that it so- it sounds like deal. that one probably is. Teams love doing that. Yeah, Charlotte did that too. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, 
Yeah. We sure. should actually probably finish out that trade at some point before we forget. Finish out that trade? The Thibel, McDaniels, all that. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's let's finish that up first. Sorry. I was, uh, because, yeah, there are two other teams involved in that. So, yeah, let's let's go there. That's, uh, get, I'm getting a little, little, uh, cracked out here by, uh, <laughs> so we already talked about night. the, we already talked about the Portland element, element of it. Um, but what they gave up in that deal was, they uh, they traded out Svi Mihailuk, who was in the Josh Hart deal. They gave Charlotte. Uh, no, sorry, that was that was from from Philly. Um, they traded away the more favorable of their own twenty seven second or New Orleans's twenty second twenty seven. They also gave up Portland's own twenty twenty nine. And then Philly's part of this is fascinating. They traded Matisse Thibel and they acquired not only the Knicks twenty four second and one of those two Portland seconds, but they also got Jalen McDaniels out of this deal. Yeah, who I think they probably feel will help them more than Thibel and Rich and Derek were talking about this on Sixers beat recently that just trading Thibel, regardless of what you think his value is, like they just are not going to play him in the playoffs. Like he hasn't really evolved. Like he's, he's been helpful at times as a defender in the regular season. The on-off number is really good this year, but he ultimately just can't be trusted in the playoffs or more importantly, Doc isn't going to trust him and play him. So to get McDaniels, we'll see another guy who has a th- theoretical three and D skill set, but has been plying it in a less than high state environment but he shot the ball okay he was better last year shooting it than he has been this year but he's not a guy you could just leave totally wide open and he's got a reasonable amount of size so maybe he's you know you're looking at him as possibly an upgrade on daniel house in that area a way to just not have to play pj tucker as much in the regular season and hey you know maybe they'll give him a shot in the playoffs if he plays well it'll be a boon but they also got some seconds uh, as well and uh, they'll have full bird rights on mcdaniels they could potentially re-sign him and they also get a a bunch of savings so they're out of the tax now and they have a little more maneuverability so this is a i mean this is a great piece of business i felt for the sixers to get something and get a player who might be able to help them that they might be able to re-sign and also get the cost savings i I think that was and get out of the tax when you're that close to the tax it just you you have to get out given the big payments that you're going to get so that was uh i think this is really great great piece of business for philly it cost the the sixers two kind of notable pieces one being thibel notable is different than valuable the other one being charlotte's own 2023 second round pick we know that's going to be a strong one so like there is something there but jalen mcdaniels can help them and you brought up the bird rights situation so theoretically the two sides could come to an agreement jalen mcdaniels and we could see how things go the willingness for either side to renew that commitment will be yeah and, and, and i should i probably was too facile in my analysis like that charlotte 2023 second going out is probably worth more than the two seconds that they got back it so is. they did they did probably have to pay a little in draft equity for the savings and getting back a player right. who's in but, but that's, more that's where i was getting with it is like they gave up these two things but they got a lot for it and not not only did they get out of the tax without and remember a lot of the other moves they would have had to make to get out of the tax would have cost them assets you know so like it's not i don't think a team was falling all over themselves to get Furkan Korkmaz sorry Furkan Korkmaz you're yet again after demanding a trade you're still on the Sixers um we'll see if you sign another contract after just like you did the time before and if McDaniels works great if he doesn't you you really didn't give up a whole heck of a lot I don't think that the market for Thibel absent getting McDaniels back was so much stronger that they the opportunity cost is significant for them but then for Charlotte, 
they had a lot of structural elements that seemed pretty clear. They, you know, it's like, okay, you're the the clearest things for a an obviously bad team to move at the deadline are veterans on expiring contracts that you don't anticipate resigning. That's presumably what the Mason Plumley story was. You could say that was potentially going to be the case for Kelly Oubre, who did not get traded. That wasn't the case with Jalen McDaniels. Like McDaniels is a young player. He is has a low cap hold. He, you know, it's unrestricted, but you have the capacity to resign sign him and so to pass that up for a strong second your own second i think that's a tell of a couple different things one is potentially the hornets evaluation and another one paralleling the conversation you and i had less than 24 hours ago about d'angelo russell is presumably mitch kupchak michael jordan and jalen mcdaniel's representation have had a discussion about what kind of contract he's expecting and theoretically they could have signed an extension i didn't expect that to come in the first place and if they weren't willing to pay mcdaniel's what they think his next contract is then this is a reasonable move it just seems like it was a little bit light of a return yeah, if you consider that that pick that they got back is going to be like number 33 and or maybe even higher than that depending on how things end up and then number 33 isn't that much worse than number 28 or number 27 and those picks didn't go right like the most we saw only one first round pick was involved in trades today and that was a swap to move up like five to eight spots or so in the gordon deal and we just didn't see very many of these expiring guys for a first deal so to get very close to a first I think that I think that's reasonable value for McDaniel's. Maybe a signal also that Charlotte's not going to use cap space this offseason because they they could have got to about thirty five million in space if they wanted to move on from PJ Washington, and then they could have utilized the low cap hold of McDaniel's. Although that is not as useful for a team like Charlotte that will never ever pay the tax and has to watch their salary anyway. This also might be an indication that they could be interested in re-signing Kelly Oubre. That they're also interested in re-signing PJ Washington. Those guys didn't move. I would be surprised if there was a first out there for either of those guys or even both of them together. So Charlotte, like McDaniels has been a good player for them on the wing, but they're, I have no idea what their team is going to look like next year. Miles Bridges might be on it. You know, that could be, although they denied that they were negotiating with him at that time, at least. So I, I guess just to get this pick back is fine. And, you know, th- they can use it on the next uh, JT Thor or, or whatever. As Nate unintentionally teased there, This is just the start of the episode. There's more to come, including going over the Jay Crowder trade that Nate mentioned. If you want to hear all of it, subscribe to Dunked On Prime with our mock trade deadline sale. Dunkedon.supportingcast.fm Dunkedon.supportingcast.fm At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.